Hey everybody, it is episode 90 of the Running Rogue podcast. As we close in on episode 100, Steve, we're mixing it up a little bit today. We've been doing yeah. we've been doing a series on what does the race require. We're going to take a little pause from that series and bring you a little different episode which some of you will love and other of you others of you may want to go back into the archives and re-listen to an old one, but we're not apologizing. No. Because what we're going to do today yeah, usually this is special episode. Yeah, but we're this not. is usually special, but this is a, this is a main episode, episode ninety. What we're gonna do today and tomorrow, this is a Thursday, August thirtieth, as we record, and then tomorrow, Friday, August thirty first, is basically preview and then live watch and react to the Diamond League finals as they go off in Zurich today, as we record, and then Brussels tomorrow. We've got eight different events, all of the middle distance and distance events that we're going to be covering off on, and that's women's and men's for the 800, the 1500, the 5000, and the steeple. And so we'll be previewing all of those, giving some predictions, and then literally you'll be able to listen to the live call as we go. We got good feedback, even though it was rough on our last one. We, we with, think we've got our technical Mon- difficulties yeah. figured out. With the Monaco Steeple, we're hoping to to be a little cleaner with this one, but everybody said they would like to see more of that, so we're going to give it a shot today and see how it goes. It's all prep for future episodes of yeah. this type, right, Chris? Yeah. If we can pull this shit off, we'll yeah. keep doing it. Plus, it'll be a fun way to mix it up, and it's a good way to get you guys excited about the Diamond League Finals. And for those Americans who listen to us, there are Americans up and down in all of these events that have a legitimate shot at winning, except for, I guess, the 5K. But every other event has Americans that'll be in the mix, which will be fun to watch. For our U.S. listeners, before we jump into a preview of the first event, and the first one we'll be talking about is the Women 8, which is Women's 8, which is the first to go off in Zurich of the middle and the distance events. We've got to just set the context, and we talked about this before when we pre- or when we live called that that Monaco steeple is the Diamond League meets. What are these, and how do they stack up to these two final days? Basically, there are a series of fourteen meets that start in April in Doha, and then run all the way until August, where they have the finals. And across the disciplines, you'll have basically anywhere from three to five different races that lead up to a final where people are scoring points based on their place in each of those prior events. And then, of course, the final eight athletes typically get selected into the final and then compete for the big win in the Diamond League finals. In this case, it's split across two different cities, Zurich and Brussels. And the events are split accordingly with different events kind of going off each day. What is on the line is a whole lot of prestige because it's a big deal. It would be on par with the world championship or Olympic final typically in terms of talent in these Diamond League finals. And there's plenty of money on the line too. You've got 50000 to the winners, 20000 to second place, 10000 to third place. And then basically everybody gets paid down to eighth place, which is $2,000. So it's a payday for everybody, a lot of money on the line, and of course, a lot of prestige as well. That's to say nothing of the bonus money that people make 
for these true. wins too. So a especially the especially most of your sponsors are going to put huge bonus on the win and not much at all after that. But still, there's a lot of money and a lot of prestige on the line. And this year, where there's little to nothing else to get excited about, it's the show in town. So yeah. um, these non World Championship Olympic years, this 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 chase becomes supreme, and so that's why we're highlighting it this time to sort of give our listeners an idea of how this thing plays out. Yeah, and if I think about some of these events, particularly a race like the Women's Eight, where your qualifying happened over many months versus over three races in the in the span of you know a handful of days, where oftentimes one of the favorites makes a tactical error and might end up outside of the final of an Olympic or a world championship event. In this case, basically all the major players are guaranteed to be there. And in the case of the women's eight, your field is as stacked as an Olympic final, maybe even more depending on how qualifying rounds might've played out. Yeah. And as we discuss, Chris, we're going to discuss the, the men's steeple. This becomes a major issue as we talk about who could win the race because We've have Concilius Capruto, who's been injured on and off for a while. He doesn't have to run two or three heats of the steeplechase to get himself to a final. He's been able to lay up, and so will, how will that play in? So there's, we'll discuss those tactics and those strategies also as we go through these. So The other thing to note is that some of these finals will have pacers and some will not. So you have that dynamic going on. The first race that we're seeing, the women's eight, will not have pacers. The men's steeple they're saying we'll have pacers. So that creates an interesting tactical dynamic that we'll talk through as we go. And so anyway, it's exciting. We hope you get excited. If you want to follow along or watch the recap, you can see it on NBC Sports Gold, which is where we'll be watching them live. But they have those replays after the fact. And so we highly encourage you to check out these races and maybe enjoy them with our audio paired. Yeah, and you know, you can always find these, those folks who have not um, made that plunge. A lot of these videos are easily found on YouTube relatively quickly after the races are over. So not that I'm suggesting pirating, but I don't make any money from NBC. So until I do, you know, find the easy way. (laughs) Yep, for sure. So basically, as just a note on logistics, we will be covering these races in this episode as they happen live in the order that they're happening live and so the first four races we'll go through that are all happening in Zurich will be the women's 800 the men's steeple the men's 1500 and the women's 5k those go all off on the first day and then we've got the men's eight the women's 15 the men's five and the women's steeple on our latter half of this episode so that's the run of show steve i think that covers our intro bits so let's talk about the women's eight which if i look at the start list for this one the thing that's so insane to me is to see that first of all if you look at personal bests every single athlete in this field has run 157 or faster if you look at season bests, then basically all athletes but two have run 157 or faster this year. So this is a, just an absurd level of talent in the women's eight. And this may be the leader of that pack, Castor Semenya's 
last race or big race as someone who can compete as a female. We don't know, depending on how the IAAF appeal plays out for her. But the field is insane. You have Olympic gold medalist Caster Semenya. You've got Olympic silver medalist Francine Ninyansaba. You've got Aji Wilson, who's, who's the American, who's finished third in the Olympics and the World Championships. And then, of course, you've got two other Americans in the field, Raven Rogers and Charlene Lipsy, who train with Ajay, who have, have both run 157 or 158 this year. And then beyond that, you've got the up-and-coming Natoya Gould from Jamaica, who is making big waves and seems to be one who might be ready to challenge for a podium finish. So as you look at this field and this race, what do you see? Well, there's no need for a pacer. <laughs> right. Because... <laughs> Either way, they're going out, no matter what. Whether Caster does the work early, which sometimes she doesn't, sometimes she doesn't, um, then for sure others will do the work. Um, one thing we know for sure is Nian Sabo will not do any work because she doesn't like to do work. So she'll just sit there in the catbird seat and try to pick off second place no matter what. But as we see this race play out, I expect a fast race, and I expect Caster to take a stab at the world record, Chris. I don't... She's done this a couple times and has failed, and so there might be a tendency for her to sort of lay up a little bit, get her W. Um, $50,000 goes a long way in South Africa, uh, plus whatever bonus money she's getting from her sponsor. Um, so those things would make you think maybe not, but there's another piece here, Chris. This may be the last race that Castro Semenya runs at, at this level because right. she's currently considered um, non-eligible beginning in November as they have redone the rules for women who are not women. Um, and so we don't know that it'll play out. I'm, I imagine we'll still see her at major races. I think there's going to be some kind of dispensation here. At some point in time, I think cooler heads will prevail. We can leave that discussion for some other time, right? But basically, there is an outside chance that this is Castro's last race, and I imagine she'll be aggressive and go for it. She is also a full second faster than anybody else in the field. And that's just an insert. That's in the 800. That's that's just mind-boggling. So, you know, the way I see it playing out is Castro goes out early. She goes for it. She's strong enough. She holds on. What really is interesting, and she gets the win. What's really interesting is what happens behind her. And I think um, Natoya Gould has had an amazing year. So has Ajay, though. She's run 156 twice and 157 twice. Like that is, she's on fire and in fuego. I think. I don't think that Nian Saba, I think this is a race where Nian Saba can get, ta- get, can get toppled off for that second position. Mm-hmm. The question now, is it Ghoul or is it, or is it Ajay? Um, Ghoul has beaten Ajay and ran faster than her this year, but in their most recent head-to-head, Ajay got Natoya. These two have been racing against each other throughout high school and in college. I know I recruited both of them to come to the University of Texas. <laughs> Neither of them ended up there, but um, they both have been re- competing at the highest levels for a long, long time. Really interesting from Toya Gould. I have to share this, Chris. I saw I read an article on her recently. She just said that she attributes why she's had her breakout year this year to miles mattering. Mm. She's upped her long run, and she said she used to like hide out on her coach. Her coach is <laughs> um, is 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 amazing coach out at and, and Clemson, and he, he used to be at LSU forever. That's who she ran under in her years there, and uh, he has been stretching her and making her do longer long runs up to 10, 12 miles, which she used to bail on and not do. So it's very interesting that she's actually said, hey, even in the eight, this matters. 
Um, but Chris, I'm picking that what will happen late is Nian Saba will, will try to pick on, on, on both Ghoul and Ajay, who will be hammering and pounding away at each other. But she won't get there. I'm predicting we get a win from Caster. Second, Ajay Wilson. And I'm saying third for Natoya Ghoul. I'm pushing mm. Nian Saba out of the one, two, three podium because I think she's either going to get second or she's going to get fourth. I don't think it'll be third. So I'm going to take the bigger, bolder move and say that. Now, one thing I will tell you is I think another thing that will happen, we won't get a world record, Chris, but I do think we might get an American record out of this race because I think they're going to run really fast. I think Ajay's going to have her sights on and looking up and trying to pull Caster in at the end of this. And I'd, I'm going to predict that we might get another 155 um, American record from Ajay, who's for sure on point and on, in place and ready to go for this race. What, how do you see it playing out? Well, I don't disagree generally with the way you're talking about it play out. A couple of notes for reference on the world record. The world record for the women's eight is a 153.28, which is about a second faster than Semenya has ever run. So that's going to be a big leap to get the world record for her. But there's many that believe she's completely capable, and there's some that even speculate that she hasn't fully gone in any race yet for some reason. And her ability to run even or negative splits in the eight is crazy. So, so I think I agree with you. I don't think we'll see a world record, but I do think Semenya will get the win. I like Ajay for second as well because it seemed like, you know, she beat Nanin Saba once this year. She's shown tactical prowess that is, that is wise beyond her years. And so I think she puts herself in position to get second. I think Nanin Saba gets third and Ghoul fourth. Mm -hmm. That would be my order just because I think Ghoul has some things to learn tactically. It's but, the wise move. But I could, see, the wise move. I could see it going either way. And definitely Ghoul is someone to watch in this race. And someone to watch certainly as we see the world championships next year and beyond because she's a big step up. She's for her. gonna be yep. she's gonna be competitive and and Chris you know, she is T ninety people who see her she's like five foot weighs a hundred weighs no she's not under she's like ninety five pounds she's a tiny tiny little thing so that's another thing that kind of plays out here she loves to go up fast she loves to push it so. It, there's a lot of different things going, and Ajay's pretty strong. Nian Saba's really strong, and Castor. Well, both Nian Saba and Castor are not really women, so <laughs> we've got another whole piece of the puzzle there. But anyway, you know, it, it, there's a lot of different things that can play out. So I think that you're wise in your prediction, but I'm just going to go for it and, and try to put Nicole, put Natoya there in, in the in the third spot. They are intersect athletes. To Excuse get the me, term right, I apologize. But, but yeah, and offended. Wilson, I don't think she'll get an American record in this race. I do think. It's possible, but I think she's got an outside chance for that. It is her American record. She's run 155.61, but hasn't really sniffed that this year. If she was going to do it, it would be this race, but I think she's going to be more worried about getting the best position possible versus running a certain time. So that's the way I see it. We've got basically the top two, we agree, and then we'll see what happens for third. It's going to be fascinating, and it's going to go quickly. <laughs> now, I do think there is an interesting question here about who takes it out, you know, because Kester has sometimes been a reluctant leader. I mean, when she is a leader, then she just goes, and everybody is basically just desperate to hang on. But sometimes she's been a reluctant leader, and so if she doesn't lead, who does? 
Natoya Ghoul, I think. You think so? Based on race style. Um, now, I didn't watch either her big race where she ran the 156, nor did I get to see the Nyack results. I, didn't look, I saw the results, but I didn't look at the race. So I don't know if she went through on the lead. But it, it has been perennially in her, and if I'd done a little more homework, I would be able to tell you that. But I do know that that's, that's traditionally her strategy, to get out fast. She's an anchor leg on a 4 by 4 all the time. She and Charlene Lipsy were teammates at LSU, and they would alternate between who was 4 by 4 anchor. Um, so I don't know. We'll see which, how that plays out. Yeah, and I think if she does take the lead or is forced to take the lead, then that works against her in the results and you in your predictions especially with Nia and Saba in the chicken shit racing style right. that she usually employs <laughs> her her nose in caster's ponytail that's right i am i am <laughs> i am not afraid to call out the chickens out there it does work for her though oh it does yes <laughs> so so before we kind of close this preview what do you think we'll see from raven rogers and charlene lipsy in this one i think that they that, you know this race is going to come down to the last 100 meters. Um, and I do think the thing that it makes this race really interesting is how do they make their play if Castor does go out super fast and tries to go for an, a world record? So that, that really changes things if it's a super fast race and they're smart and they sit back and they take their time, especially the way Charlene has shown her strength this year. Coming on strong late for both of these two athletes is something they can do. Raven's a little bit better at holding strong over the last 100 and not losing form. Um, we, we would expect to see Lipsy sort of close late in the race and maybe make up some ground. But, Chris, I just think that the level of competition here in the first four positions is so much better that, unfortunately, we're not going to see that much out of these. I do think four, fifth and sixth are, are entirely possible, but I don't see them breaking into the top four currently with the way they've been running this year. I agree with that. And I think they could also be gunning for PRs in this race, which both of them are... 157 mid so it's possible they could sneak under that which would be a big a big accomplishment for them and we'll see but that's the field i mean we have to also mention the ethiopian alemu because she finished fifth in monaco in the last diamond league she's run 156 and while i don't think she has a shot to get into that top four as we talked about if somebody does break up that top four, it would probably be her. Yep. And I think the Swiss is in there because they're in Switzerland. <laughs> I mean, she has run 157 before, so it's right. not like, but she's only she's run no, she's no two. Slouch. She's no slouch, but she has run only two this year. So I don't know. I don't know about that one. That might be a little insider move. Like, <laughs> <laughs> So with that preview and those predictions, let's watch the race. So here we go. See, we're watching it. As they introduce the athletes here for the women's eight. Yeah, they've got Ajay in lane eight. We've got, which is a little strange, Semenya in lane seven, Nian Saba in lane six, and the Ghoul in lane five. So interestingly how they've played them out here. I, don't, I guess this is... I mean, Semenya's in seven, so I wonder if... I mean, I would assume that Semenya got to choose. Maybe so. I mean, I don't know how they work. The Sometimes they're ran- I don't know how they do them at this level. Sometimes they random them. You um, would assume that they would get to choose based on their position coming in, their point position, but I don't know. So you've got a really interesting situation where your best three athletes are on the outside. Yeah, that's not usual. Usually they're they're they usually want to be in positions five is the best position. Sometimes in the eight, people will call six the best position because you're striking 
what you want to do with this and the way they line this up is when they hit that 100 meters in, almost everybody's drawing the straightest line they possibly can to the inside lane of the 200 mark. I'm 100 meters away. So everybody's sort of Collapses slowly in. collapsing in. Now, the jack wagons who don't know what they're doing, they immediately just jump to the inside. And the really smart ones take their long, long, long stride to get to the bottom. So we'll see how that plays out. Maybe this is a plan that she has, that Castor has, to get herself in this position. So yeah, and Maybe the others chose around that if she right. was the anchor point. So here, here we go, they, gun up. Here they go. And they're off. And they're off. We've got both um, Lipsy and uh, Raven Rogers in the same lane together. You got, you got Castor out pretty quick and moving pretty smooth with Ajay right on her shoulder. It's really hard to tell with this in terms of where, who's in the lead, and it doesn't really matter. But you can see there how they're lining up, lining right in behind Castor. And there's Castor is at the lead with a, looks like 20, well, they didn't give us a 200 split. And then Ajay and, and Ghoul, 2-3. Yep, you got Ghoul. Whoa, Caster is moving She's away from the it. field. She is absolutely going with a Ghoul in second, Wilson in third, and Ian Saba in fourth. Looks like LMU is in fifth, um, like as we called it, the way we so thought it was going to be. All the key players in the front Holy there. shit, and Chris. Semenya. She is, Semenya is going for it. 56 flat at the half, at the 400 in. This is smoking fast, Chris. We got 1.6, 1.7 seconds behind. So these women are now running for second. This is definitely world record pace by far. She is definitely looking at a 153, going for a 153. Maybe she'll get that. She's gone, Chris. Niansaba moving into second. Wilson right on her shoulder with Gula looks also on the inside, holding off Niansaba there. Ooh, LMU looks good in the back there, Chris, doesn't she? So does Ajay. Yes, Ajay looks like she's in a good position. Here we go. There's no question who's winning this race. What the heck are we Caster's doing looking got, at that? What, right. 15, 20 meters? Look at that. Here they come. 20 meters. Looking strong. Looking strong off that turn. Nian Saba in second. Ghoul in third. With Ajay is coming up. Chris, are we going to get this one separated? <laughs> Caster is moving. Is this a world Ajay's record? Got Ajay's, Ajay's got second. Oh, Nian Saba's falling apart completely. 155.27, Ajay second, and the toy looks like she held on for third. Cool third, so you yes. nailed it. Wow, Nian Saba fell apart on that last turn. She went a little bit too fast. Did you see Ajay's face? Not again. Not right. again. <laughs> right. Wow. So Semenya won by 15 meters by yes. the end, maybe 20 meters. Yes, yeah, so she gets the win, gets the, gets the $50,000, and 157.86, so we see no record. Um, not even a, not a PR and, um, that hot, that hot lead was that, that would, they were just moving at the start there. Wow. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. That, that is crazy to see a 56 flat lead. She went for it. There's no doubt about it. She absolutely went for it. She faded. She faded though. And you know, it affected the rest of the field because they weren't able to latch on. So nope. they, they didn't get dragged nope, to they those did not. crazy fast times like they would normally. So I called an AR. You did not. You said no AR. So you were right yep. there. Yep. For bonus points on bonus <laughs> points zone. But you so got you all think? three. You got all three in the podium. Yep. So what do you think? What What do you think of this and and Caster's legacy now? Where Where do you feel? Where do you sit on this? Her position in the race. She and Ian Sab in the race, and what that means for um, the sport, this event in general. Well, it's hard to say. I mean, I. She's obviously an impressive athlete. 
So you can't take that away from her. I do have mixed feelings because I do think she has an unfair genetic advantage, which creates a really tricky situation in terms of how you actually manage and adjudicate that. But, you know, it's kind of like you say before, Steve, it's like, who's on the starting line? It's a race once they're all lined up. So does it matter who's doping or who's got a genetic intersex type advantage? Does it really matter? Because at the end of the day, they all have to run as fast as they can for two laps. And so in spite of my mixed feelings on the, the categorization and the politics of it, you still got to tip your hat. Yeah. I, 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 I said this for the first time I watched Castor run, that she looks like a, a, middle, a, a, a middling high school 800-meter runner. Um, and running a 155 is about high school male one 800-meter runner. And so that's the part that always bothers me, is that when I see her and I look at her physique and the way that she runs, you look at it and you say, the advantages that she's been given really, she's worked hard, right? And she does train hard. Um, And she's at the limits, pretty close to the limits of what she seems to be able to do because she's not able to be, she's not seeing significant improvement. We're not seeing jump after jump after jump like you would see from an average quality middle distance runner and male, right? So, but I still just think it's just so sad for Ajay Wilson's legacy. Um, Although today's race really puts her in a different spot as they go into the world championships, as we go into the Olympic games, hoping that perhaps there will be some adjudication about this issue and that there'll be, this will be cleared up in some way. She's got to be looking at this as the future best in the world. She's the heir apparent. And that race that she ran was masterful, Chris. She ran an incredibly smart race. Yeah, two other things. One, you got to give props to Semenya for going for it because typically she hasn't. She's sometimes started strong and led the race, but she's not really gone for the world record. And it seemed like today she really went for it, which I got to tip her hat. It's interesting how Ninian Saba basically didn't know what to do when she didn't have Caster's ponytail to follow. So, so it opened up the tactics for Wilson. And at the age of, what is she, 23, something like that? Yep. Yep. I mean, she's, she's just, young. she's a master class in this event. Tactician, talent, person, all those things. And so it's really cool to see her get second and sort of take that official spot of the heir apparent uh, if Caster isn't able to compete next year. And you know, Natoya Gould, she's definitely putting it out there to, to hold on coming, there. It looked yeah. like she was coming apart. Niansaba fell apart terribly. And Gould held that second position all the way through to the finish until about one fifth, about, well, really about 100, maybe 110 to 90 meters to go. It looked like Aja got away from her and broke her. Um, but that was a, that was a really good race for her as well. So yep. we've got a little bit of a shifting. What will Nian Saba do? Does this get in her head? Does this affect what, what changes happen for her? And, um, you know, people don't remember. She's also an intersex athlete. So, Whatever rulings happen, she always seems to slip through the cracks because Castor seems to be the one that everybody's paying so much attention to. But Niansaba would be affected by these rules as well. Whether she's operating at the same levels of testosterone that, that Castor is, is a question. We don't know all of those details. But anyway, um, again, it doesn't matter because Ajay beat her straight up right. in a big, huge performance race. Now, we know that Niansaba got drugged a lot faster than she probably would have normally done trying to get after Caster, so that might have changed the way that race played out. But anyway, grade 800 was pretty exciting, at least 
from positions two through four. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, good start. The fireworks have already begun. All right, Steve, now we're turning our preview and predictions discussion to the men's steeple. Also, an incredibly stacked field. We've got, of course, Conceslas Capruto, who is the Olympic and world champion. He's basically been unbeatable in the last several years in terms of the steeplechase, although he had a rough summer at some of his events. Apparently, was dealing with some injury issues and didn't have as impressive a summer as perhaps he would like and so there's definitely some chinks in the armor of the olympic gold medalist and world champion entering this final you have the moroccan el bakali who is the only guy who's run under eight minutes since 2015 he ran 758 earlier this year and of course evan jager the american as they call him who has run 801 this year and, and was shooting for eight, sub eight at Monaco, but didn't quite get there as Bacali ran away from him at the end. And of course, you've got Benjamin Keegan, who we talked about after the Prefontaine race, who kind of came out of nowhere to run 806 and win that race going away with a crazy, crazy final 300, running away from his countrymen, Capruto, as well as Jager in that field. So. Those are your top four. You've also got an American Hillary Bohr in this one, who was a U.S. silver medalist, as I predicted <laughs> earlier this summer at USA's. And then a whole bunch of Kenyans <laughs> beyond that, who are probably the steeplechasers of the future for them, but are probably not worth talking about yet. So essentially, we've got these three athletes that really matter when it comes to the podium with a potential fourth depending on what Keegan does although he hasn't had the same result since Prefontaine so what do you make of this race I mean this one comes down as we alluded to in our in our our intro um what is where is Capruto's fitness and where is he sitting because he has had two big wins he won the African champs which is always a really big win because it's Kenyans versus Ethiopians versus any other comers, and it's a hard team for them to make. And so it's a big, for most, it's a big, a lot bigger win for him than winning the U.S. champs is for Evan Yeager. So, um, and, and then he also won Birmingham, although he was pretty slow at Birmingham. Um, he said that he was still figuring where his foot was and that he didn't know exactly where his health would be, but he still won that race going away went and, and, and made a good run of it. So the question here is, does Kip Ruto win this thing because he's the best runner in the field um, and the one who always shows up at championship time? Or do Jaeger and El Bacali have a chance here? I, you know, I, I think the way this race plays out is, again, Evan Jaeger, sacrificial lamb off the front, doing all the work. Keegan's not going to do it, I don't think. He doesn't seem to be in that good a shape. Kip Ruto, that's never the way he does it. And we watched El Bacali, chicken shit. He just sits back and doesn't do anything. So... They don't really care how fast it goes. They've got no compulsion to make it fast or anything. Jaeger still has that view of wanting to get under eight, and this race will have a pacer, although pacers and steeplechases and steeplechase races are notoriously problematic because steeplechasers are not usually, there aren't like professional steeple pacers, right? These are just 
Usually the only people that can go with them are Kenyans, and usually Kenyans are a bit jackwagon-esque in the way that they throw down and, and don't manage it well. And so I don't think your pacers are going to be particularly helpful in this race. So I think it's going to come down to Jaeger doing the work, and then how does it play out? Does, is Capruto there? So, and also Jaeger has a com- compelling reason to keep the pace fast, because if Capruto is not up to fitness, his 808 time looks shabby and doesn't look there. Is he ready to get that extra eight seconds? Because if Jaeger can get under eight and get a win, this is the best way for him to do it. So I think you're going to see Jaeger using the pacer for as long as the pacer works and then striking out on his own. And that's a real problem for Jaeger. For him, yes. Yes. So I've got Jaeger in the third position. I just don't see any situation where he wins. I put him at third. Now the question is, Chris, who wins this race? And I watched El Macaulay basically decimate and destroy Jaeger over that last 150 meters the last time that they raced in Monaco. And it was just heartbreaking and so frustrating. And you're like, this guy, he's probably not clean, whatever other things you want to say about him. But I do believe Kipruto is going to be there with them at 150 to go. And I think in that case, Kipruto wins the race. So I'm calling Kipruto for the win, even with El Bacali in the great fitness that he's in. I just think no matter how fast they make it, Capruto's going to show up. He always shows up. He always gets this done. He's only been beaten by another Kenyan, really. So I just think he's going to, I don't think it's going to change. I think he's going to win, and I think he's going to have shown fitness, and he's obviously targeted this and is ready to go. So I'm picking him for the win. What do you say? Well, first of all, no athlete outside of Kenya has won the Diamond League Steeple Final ever. <laughs> so, so there's that statistic. So if Bacali or Jager wins, then that'll be a first for any non-Kenyan runner to win this Diamond League Siebel title. And to me, that says a lot because basically Kenyan, Kenya, certainly on the men's side, is definitely the best Siebel country in the world. And Capruto is the Olympic champion and the world champion. And we've seen before him have some shady mid-season results or to get quote-unquote injured for a little bit. I have my own speculation about what is happening there. <laughs> but but it's kind of this rope-a-dope game he plays and then, of course, shows up and it's like nothing was ever wrong whenever money's on the line or medal's on the line. So, unfortunately, I have to agree with you. Like I think it's going to be Capruto, Bacali, Jager. I think you're right. I think Jager's gonna, Jager has one move which is basically to try to strike out and hope that Capruto's fitness isn't there and hope that Bacali peaked too soon, essentially. But I also think he's got another couple of things on his sights, is getting as high as he can. Capruto is going to beat him no matter what if he doesn't get him off his... So here it is, is is he third or is he second? Because he's not going to beat Al Bacali, so there you go. It's the way he's got to do it. And to get under eight, I guarantee you there's a bonus in his... To get an American record. Yeah, yeah, he gets an American record, his own, and he gets under eight. There's going to be a big celebration here. And I think there's a lot there, and they probably have been targeting this no matter what with the understanding that, hoping that in some future scenario, he's able to beat the Kenyans, and in some future scenario, Abakali gets busted for doping, which right. is entirely possible given his... Caputo as well, yeah. maybe. Yep, maybe. But, yep. um, but yes, so I think you're right. It's like Jager has one move, not just because that's his strength, but also because... It's, it works in his best interest no matter what. And if it works for him, great. He wins. He picks up the, AR, the perhaps the AR American record bonus, the 50K, plus his Diamond League title bonus, whatever that is, and it's a huge payday for him. And if it doesn't work, 
he's third to get to those two guys who have beaten and him maybe before. sub eight, and, and that maybe would be sub, huge. sub yeah. eight, which would still be a pretty nice consolation prize. So, so we agree. Wow, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, what the I, heck I is hope, going on here? <laughs> I hope I'm wrong. So, what do you and somehow. what do you think about the American record? We could do a differentiator there. Okay, do you think so, the American record um, will be will be will be achieved or not be achieved? I don't think he'll be able to get under eight. It's just too hard, and this this race is going to become a little bit tactical at some point. It's going to have to, and these guys are I think are going to be battling out, throwing haymakers at each other, and then at some point, you know, because of that, those tactics, you're going to lose a little bit of time, and so I I don't think so. I think you'll see him running eight oh three over eight oh four, not seven fifty nine. So I'm going for seven. I'm thinking he's going to get the American record. Okay, so there you go. I think the way this race plays out, there's a lot of ways that it. Works in his in his favor. Can he hold on over that last barrier? And we know how close he's been in the past, Chris. We watched him when he tripped and fell and still almost got it. I just think this is the day he does it, and um, it would be a, an amazing finish to a season. And as a fan, that's what I want to see. So I think I think it's entirely possible. So therefore, why not go for it and why not make that as a as a as a differentiator? So there we go. We've at least got I one hope, area we don't I agree. I hope you're right. Yeah, let's watch it. So the men's steeple is lining up. Here we go. Got Jager right next to Bacali. In the lineup, Keegan next Jager's to Jager's got his hair down. Sometimes he, he has it up. Sometimes no he has it down. He's like, no ponytail today. He's going, he's going with, the low, with the flow locks. <laughs> Matt Hughes, formerly of uh, Louisville University, who is um, the Canadian who runs also in the Bowerman group with Jaeger, and we don't talk about very much, but he's an excellent runner. Look at that size differential between Kip Bruto and El Bacali. Bacali is a head taller. At than about Kip a Bruto. head taller, yep. <laughs> and Jaeger's and probably about the same. Then, yes, I, and yeah, because I think that Jaeger and Bacali about the same height, maybe right. even Jaeger being a little tall. Oh, yeah, Jaeger yes, is a little taller. Well, taller, maybe. maybe. Depends on the hair. Yeah, no, it looks <laughs> like Bacali's a little bit taller. But. <laughs> so. Yeah, the big first question here is, will they go with the pacer or not? Yeah, who is the pacer and will they go with the pacer? We don't really know that. We're not listening to the live feed that's coming through with NBC Sports Gold. We're really just going, we're going just watching the visual commando style here. Yeah, we're going commando own, here. <laughs> creating our own audio. So will they go with the pacer? Will anyone break eight minutes? Will Evan Jager get the American record? And does Capruto... Does he have it, it? Does he have it? Yep. There's another guy in here named Ibrahim Kemboy, and I wonder if he's Ezekiel Kemboy's little brother because he's got a mohawk I saw there. So we can... Kemboy flair. Yep. Ooh, they're going out, Chris. They're moving. Looks like they've got that. That is definitely a pacer out front, maybe a Moroccan. So you've got a Moroccan pacing. It looks like Kiprito in third. Another Kenyan behind the pacer in second at the moment. Yep. Evan Jager back in the pack next to El Bacali in you the middle. You know, one of the questions with this, Chris, will be seeing the splits. Um, the splits for anybody who was watching this. Remember, they've got an inside water barrier, so they won't be strict 400-meter splits. They will be lap splits if they give them to us. So. Um, that makes it difficult for us to be able to tell exactly where we're at. The steeple is always a little bit challenging in terms of saying where they're at at the mile. Sometimes they'll give us those indicators, but we'll be mostly flowing here on what's happening in the race. It's also possible that 
those two athletes up front are both pacers. I think they may be. And if that's the case, then you've got basically Kipruto right behind the pacers. There's a little bit of jockeying there with a few other Kenyans. But for a second there, there was a gap. Yeah, Kipruto is the pacers. Kipruto's yes. letting it go. Yep. Another he lost his shoe, Chris. Oh, no. He lost his shoe. His shoe has come off. This is not a good thing. Kipruto lost Kip his Ruto's shoe. Kipruto left his left shoe. I wonder if that's and the he's foot. he's continuing to run on the track. Yep. I wonder if that's the foot that's given him problems. Now in fourth position with Jager and Albacali not too far behind. And it looks like fifth and sixth or sixth and seventh. Yes, and I think that's Karui who's in the third position. The one, um, Benjamin Karui, who won... Um, is it? Oh, no, it's somebody else, Ninjiru. But I don't think... So it looks like you've got two pacers leading. Kenny in third, who's no threat, and Kipruto running now with one shoe in fourth. He would definitely be the favorite. Ooh, Bacali's, Bacali's coming up, Jager's coming up, so now you've got fourth, fifth, and sixth. Yep. And it's, again, it's really players. hard for us to tell how fast they're running in terms of their speed. Um, one pacer looked like he's shifted. They've switched positioning on their pacers. You got to imagine, Steve, that if you're Jager and Bacali seeing Kipruto's shoe off, that you'd want to try to put some pressure there. Yes. Early. Let's see here. They're showing it. It looks like, oh, it just came out. He just, it was either just poorly. a little funny. And yeah. Like maybe he off. didn't lace it correctly. Oh no. It got, well, yeah, it was hard to tell there. They're showing the, the, the preview, the, uh, review of it, but. So now you've got Kip saying way out front, who we're presuming is a pacer. The Second. Moroccan who's probably helping El Bacali there. They are notorious, the Moroccans, for working together as Kenyans do. And the key players, it's El Bacali, Capruto, and Jager. Yes. Basically right together. So this pl race in some ways is playing out the way we expected, or at least the way I expected, that the key players wouldn't necessarily go with the Pacers. So now the first Pacer of the Moroccan is out. You still got uh, the Kenyan athlete who is pacing up front, but they are not even close to him. So this is a tactical race from this point between the three big players who are all right together. Caprito leading with one shoe with Bacali right behind to his right shoulder and, and Jager just behind there. So each time we watch this, looking at Kipruto as he goes over this water jump, Kenyans are notorious for not always using the water barrier to push off of. Usually Jaeger uses it. Sometimes in the last 400, he won't use it. Most of the athletes in racing steeple will push off the water barrier to get further out into it. But Kipruto, this doesn't hurt him so bad because I was like, what's he going to do with pushing off? Will you go with his left or his right foot? Usually these athletes have one foot that they use to do this primarily. Um, but he's just bypassing it altogether, hurdling the entire barrier and it not becoming an issue, landing on his right foot and allowing protecting that left foot, being sure that it's not getting um it's not landing into the water jump on that there's a banked curb that keeps the water from yep. coming out of the water jump barrier. So it's a it makes it a little challenging. They're hitting this water jump now, and you'll see boom, just comes right off. over it. Yep. But Capretto, they're they're Making Capruto lead with one shoe, Pakali right behind, and, and Jager in third. And honestly, I don't think this bodes well for Jager to win. No. But it and definitely bodes well for him to be second. And I don't think point. we're going to get an American record. 
I, I think that they do not seem to be moving fast enough. Of course, the we pack, are. The pack just recently bunched back together. You've got a bunch of athletes. Now yeah, there's a lot the of guys mix. in this race, and this is not a good situation for and Jaeger we've got three, at three all. Three minutes to go. Yep. So at some point, you got to think Jaeger's got to take it. You would think, unless this is part of their plan, um, it looks like you've got another Kenyan going to the front and doing some work. I guess th now we've got our pacer, Kipsang, finally coming off. This is Kibwat. So the, Kenyan, the final Kenyan pacer is out. But now you've got Kibwat leading another Kenyan bet. Another Kenyan in second, Caputo third, Bacali fourth. Now Jager fifth. So they are all bunched together. Going into oh, Kipruto slipping back a little. Look at that, Chris. Final few laps. Though he's protecting his position, making sure that he stays in a good spot there. Kipruto is not the psychotic, absolute crazy kicker that we saw in Kemboy over the years, over 300, where Kemboy's done. He's a very good kicker. He can close extremely well, but it's mostly over the last 100 meters that he usually kicks, as opposed to Kemboy, who we used to go out at 300 to go and do crazy stuff. Yeah, I'm still waiting for Jager to do something. He looks no. Like he actually not, looks terrible. He looks he he's about to come look off in good the back. Position. He looks uncomfortable. Yep. And he's holding on to that lead pack, which is now six guys all together. El Bacali is making a big strong El move. El is up front now, making a move with a lap and a half to go. Yep. Bacali into the lead. Kibruto still right there on his shoulder, and Jager is going out the back, folks. He's still there. He's in He's fifth. still there. Yeah. Still there, but he's got Pacali in the lead, Capruto second, and a couple of other Kenyans in the mix now. It looks like we're Oh, Jaeger, big five. move. Jaeger just made a move. Yep. Put himself he got on a race the shoulder of four. Of oh, 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 tripping up Bacali. Bacali just tripped. Jaeger's using that as a chance to take the lead. Yep, here and he goes. They're going into just the final sit there. lap. Don't go, don't go. Yeah, look around. There you go. You're in a great three position. Three guys all together with one lap to go. Here we go. Bacali, right. Jager, and Capruto all right together. Capruto still running why with one shoe. Why does he do this? Shoe. Why does he do this, Chris? Why does why does Jager, Jager get to the front Jager here? Taking the it's lead. over. This is Capruto's race. Capruto and Bacali. Here we go. Oh, Jager's wow. holding now a little Bacali's, bit. Oh, there goes there goes Capruto. Bacali made a big move. Yep. Kipruto's the Kipruto's real deal, isn't he? Him. With one shoe on, With Chris. one shoe, Jager is now fading into oh, third. Oh, does Bacali hold him up? Oh, Kipruto's got another gear. Kipruto Look at that. Kipruto has another gear. He is approaching Bacali's shoulder, going into the last water jump. Oh, here we go. This is a key spot. Both of them hurdle it. Bacali's got it, what, 10 meters on him? Bacali looks back. Kipruto's got Kipruto's a grimace on his face. Does he? He's oh, he's going to get him. Look at this, Over Chris. Last hurdle. Last hurdle. Oh, they're side by, they're side. side by side. Oh, wow. Kipruto gets the finish. win. Kipruto gets wins. the win. Wow. With and Jaeger gets one shoe. Yeah, well, we called it. We called it exactly. Wow. That's an amazing, amazing race. Wow. They are. Bacali and Kipruto collapse completely to the track. Capruto with one shoe on. That just is won the diamond absolute final heroics in right eight there. Eight minutes and ten seconds. So not that fast. Nope. After they didn't go with the Pacers, Bacali only lost by four one hundredth of a second, and Jager three seconds back. Never really had a shot based no. on those tactics. Nope. Nope. He went to the front again, Chris, and he does seems to do this when I think that he must just not have that acceleration that he's 
that we think he would be. He's a former 1500 meter runner. You would think he would have some more acceleration. Um, but, and, and that's the piece of the puzzle they have to work on, you know, but yeah. Well, yeah. and tactics. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, like because why wouldn't you seeing Caputo with one shoe? Why wouldn't you take the lead there and try to knock him out of the race? Yeah, I don't know. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But I'll tell you what, Bacali held up a El Bacali held up a huge did a great bit of work there on um coming back and not letting there be that much of a gap between the two of them. So huge result there for um Kipruto. And we called it. We knew it. The Kenyans the Kenyan curse is always there. Always getting it done. Now th- there's a question there is did, is, did, did Kip Bruto trip him. trip him? Or was it the Ethiopian that did it? It was hard to tell exactly. Here that it looks final like, 100. Cause oh, yeah. Kipruto went in with two or three meter gap, but yep. then just over the final hurdle, closed it down. Unbelievable. To do that with one shoe is just absolutely And he's insane. easing off a little bit too much there. It was almost like, oh, Macaulay hit him at the end, but not in a unbelievable race wow so let's preview and predict the men's 15 steve i think this might be the easiest one for me <laughs> right i mean I, I mean i guess we have to talk about a third spot because there is three on the there are three on the podium but it seems like one and two at least are pretty firmly cemented and you might be able to debate the order of those one and two but I know you don't think you can debate it. <laughs> we'll and debate for debate's sake, maybe. We might as well. And then, of <laughs> course, there is a question of who who can hang and potentially squeeze on the podium behind the two Kenyan runners who have basically been dominating the men's 15 at the world level now for, what, two years? Yes, two to three years. Timothy Chiriot and... Elijah Manganoy. Elijah Manganoy, training partners. And, you know, sometimes they've gone back and forth, <clears throat> Manganoy being the current world champion. So if, as you look at big world finals, he has the, the current lead, so to speak. But this year has been all Timothy Chariot Absolutely. so far. Well, he, Timothy Chariot has won the last two Diamond League finals. Um, and so... Yep. You, that is that it, he always seems to show up at the last at the at the last most important race, um, and he's also the guy who usually does all the work. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and so that that I mean that then becomes the question: if Chiriad's doing the work, the Manganoy, is he able to get him at the end? But I have a suspicion that everybody else is going to race for third, and that those two guys are going to get off the front and basically dominate the front and we can debate who will get one and who will get two but those two will be one two and then after that who gets third i mean it's it could be anybody really if you look at the rest of the list you had two ingebrigtsen norwegian brothers in this event although Jakob, the 17 year old who we talked about a few episodes ago who won the euros in the 15 and the five he has scratched late due to a sore throat, so he's sick and won't be there. His brother, who has won a world championship bronze, but 
had issues at the European Championships and wasn't able to compete in the 5K after some potential injuries that cropped up in the 15. He's got the next best season best, but it doesn't seem like he's coming in on form. You've got Suleiman from Djibouti, who is always up at the front of these races. The Ethiopian Tafera, a handful of others. Iguadir, the Moroccan, who we know you like at times and have picked for, for races. Who do you think can squeeze on to get the third spot? So really, to me, this comes down to, I just don't think Philippe is where he needs to be. He ran 30... He ran 3.30.01, which is so close to getting under that elusive 3.30 barrier. But after the Europe, that was before the European champs. And the European champs, he just wasn't up to speed. He got beat by his brother. Um, and he also did not start that five or had to stop the five. So I don't think that we can count on Philippe being in that position of preparedness. So you've got Suleiman, really, and Iguadir, in my opinion. You might be able to talk about this other Moroccan. Um, Kazui or Kazuzi or whatever, because he got a big win, and these Moroccans are known for um, being ready at the right time using illicit means. So you could say that. Talk about Tafera. Yes, but Tafera's had a bad, terrible year this year, though. I mean, he didn't even he almost didn't make the final at the European at the uh, at the African Championship. So I kind of would put Tafera in there. Would normally be calling him, but. That was just a bad race. Maybe he just had a head case moment, but that's not a good sign at, these level, at this level. So, Chris, I'm going to pick Iguadir for the third position because he's a wily veteran. These two guys up front are going to do all this work, and what's going to happen in that third position is going to be another race altogether. Really, the only question to me is how many people go or try to go with Chariot and Man- Managoy, and I don't think any of them do. And so then you've got back there, Who's the wiliest veteran? And I'm going to go with Iguadir. I think he gets the third position on the podium here in this race. What do you say? Well, just so we can disagree, and I, I'm going to say Man, Mangano, Managoy, for one, I know you think Chiriot's going to win, so we'll just disagree Yes, there that is correct. I do. I, so I, I think Chiriot, he's going to win. Man, Managoy, and then Iguadir. I'm going to go Managoy, Chiriot, Kazuzi from Morocco. Yep, that's not a bad call. Because I think of the remaining players, he does have a win from Rabat earlier in a Diamond League race. Granted, that was a home, sort of a home court win for him in Morocco. But I agree with you about Philip. I don't think he's going to be there. I don't, I, you know, I think coming back from whatever injury he suffered at Euros is going to be tough. Suleiman doesn't seem to win things at least <laughs> recently so i'm gonna go with the next best after that in terms of season best and pick kazuzi for third but it could really be any of those other guys absolutely because i would I'm, i would imagine it's two you know one two separated and then some sort of blanket finish after that for third to try to pick up the ten thousand dollars for third place and you did mention that these two Chariot and um, Managoy are teammates, right? They train in the same, they've got the same coach, they train in the same system, um, and they, uh, they're definitely uh, have seen each other, and they see each other on every run, they see each other in every workout, they don't, they train together consistently. I think that their coach said that they do 99% of their training they do together, which is a very unusual thing. Um, if you look at what happens with both uh, 
with, even with the group that Salazar um, coaches, it, it, the Oregon Project, those guys, they have multiple 1,500-meter runners. They are not doing the same workouts at the same time, even on the track at the same time sometimes. So uh, this is a, a rather unusual arrangement that's there, and it's definitely working for them as they are the clear one and two in the world at this point in time in the 15. Yeah, and it's interesting that interview where he, their coach basically said, look, after Centrowitz won, we decided that we're going to train to basically beat him and take him out of the race by running as fast as possible. And so they've, they've adopted this aggressive front-running style that's supported by the work that they do in training. And their idea is that if they can run faster than everybody else, nobody can beat them, and certainly not Matthew Centrowitz. Well, he's not even in the field, which and is at this deep, point he's not in the field. Deep disappointment this year. We don't have an American, um, fifteen hundred meter in this field, but that'll be rectified by World Champs. I guarantee you. We'll we'll have players in the mix. I think we'll get a roared back Centro, who seems to have come back this year in pretty strong form. It'll be interesting to see what plays with that. Yeah, and you might have a Clayton Murphy. You might have others in the mix. Gregoric should be healthy again by that point. So we will see. And so let's watch it. All right, here we go. They're lining up. Man and Goy. Looking confident. Sporting the mustache. Yep. This time. And Timothy Chariot. Expect these guys to go out fast and to push hard. Yeah, you don't need pacers in this field. No, you don't. I wonder if they will. Yeah, it would, could be interesting if to see if they play it a little bit. Them. It's interesting to see if they'll play it a little bit differently. There's Philippe, the middle brother of the Ingebrigtsen crew. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and then they're like, a bunch they're just of going mi- all, all the way down. Average. You do have Ryan Greg- Gregson in this yeah, The field. Australian. The Australian. Mm-hmm. You never know what he can do, but this field is probably too stacked for him to make or sniff at the podium at all. I think so. It could be, I mean, he's got some serious, serious wheels if the backpack just sits around for a long time. We'll see. All right, here we go. On the line, getting ready to go off. Off they go. Whoop, we got, looks like we got Suleiman nearing the front. You've got Chariot sitting back. Doesn't look like we've got any specific pacer. Oh, unless this guy's a pacer. Looks like he might actually be. Who is this up front? All right, we'll see how quick this first 200 is. It's looking fast. It does look They're fast. already strung out. Those, yep, we've got those two guys, It looks like they have a pacer. It looks like they went yep. through 26, 27, which is probably a wee bit fast, but it usually it takes these guys a little bit of time to get themselves into the groove. Suleiman, interestingly, put himself ahead of Managoy and Chiriot. Yep. And Ingebrigtsen's right there as well. Yes, he is. So they're strung out behind the pacers. This is going to be fast. Yes, here we go. We're coming up, approaching the 400-meter mark right there at 54.7. Holy cow, Chris. This is smoking fast, first 400-meter. <laughs> Incredibly fast. You've got Suleiman sitting there in third place. I think that's who's sitting in that third position. Look how smooth Chariot is. Just, just relax. Yeah, they went out in basically 440-mile pace. Correct. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yep. So, yeah, the, and we know there's only 340 two. 340 mile pace. The, sorry, yes. yeah, 340 yes. mile. Yeah. There, there's only two runners in the field that can survive off of that pace, which is going to mean that. But look how bunched they are. 
third is going to be is going to come down to who who dies the least, I would yep. think. Looks like Tefera is moved up there sitting on the outside. This is also a disadvantage to those guys who are sitting in lanes 3 and 4. I mean lanes 1 and a half and 2 on the outside edge. So Chiriot in He's third in the white. behind the Pacers. Yeah, Looks Chiriot's like in the white pacers. kit. Yep. First Pacer is, is now moving off. Kibbit, the second pacer, still in the lead, although it looks like he's done as well. So now it's on to the real racing. And you've got... I don't know. You do still have the pacer there. No, one of them. Kibbit, he, is he a pacer, though? He looks really smooth. But it looks like he's... Oh, no, oh, there's Chariot. Yeah, Chariot's on the front, interestingly. Yep, Mangonoy's in the white. How did I get that wrong? I just got that completely wrong. So Mangonoy is in the, in the white. Chariot's up front doing the work. Here we go. That's coming a roll in. reversal. Yep. Coming in with 400 meters to go on the bell. Still a pretty fast race, but it doesn't look like it's going to be. They slowed down precipitously, Chris, after that. Um, look at Chariot's that strange and un, ungangly, like sort of like strength-based mechanics. A whole lot of guys in this race still, Chris. 57-7 for that quarter. But the lead two are starting to separate. Elijah's starting to push. Managoy and, and Chariot. Look at them. The two, the two teammates. Partners. Yeah, going head-to-head. -head. Oh, this is over. Managoy it looks like in second. Chariot now pulling away. Look, at we got Iguadir in fourth. Who is that in third? It's Suleiman and Iguadir. Which of the two old, two old fogies will get into that position? Oh, it is oh, over. Uh-oh, Managoy might get, might get beat he's here. Get oh, he's going to get more than nipped. In fact, he may not even get on the podium. Oh, he held, oh, he it, held together. it together, and Suleiman holds oh, on. Wow. Wow. 3.30.26. That was a painful way to run a 3.30.1500 meter <laughs> right there. 54-second first quarter. Really, well, we called that Suleiman and Iguadir could be the two guys that would be in the mix, and there they were, the two wily veterans who've been through this many, many, many times. So you had it right. One two, one two at least. Yeah, but I had one and, and two you were right. Off by one position, almost got a sweep or, there. Yeah, one position on. Manchuria just place. is another level. When he, when Managoy got on his shoulder, he was able to shift gears and accelerate, and just there was no chance there. It looked like Managoy maybe pushed a little too hard there in the middle, and paid, but he still held on for second place. So Iguadir was fourth. So you had him. I had so and Kazuzi fifth. So yep. the two Moroccans right there, fourth and fifth. So we weren't too far off there. Nope. Man, that first lap, 55 <sighs> seconds, making it so painful for these guys. Oh, yes. That's so hard to hold your mechanics late in a race when it's gone out that fast. Good job by Managoy getting, keeping holding that, together. keeping that position. Ingebrigtsen, the... Pull up seventh place, ultimately the first non-African runner in this race. Yeah, Chris, I think this was the least sort of exciting race. I think the, once, once we knew that the younger Igebretson was not in play, I think he would have had a hard time in this race going out in 54 <laughs> that, seconds. Going out so fast. That, may have been, that would have been a, much more difficult for him to manage. But you got to hand it to Chariot. Absolutely. The, the favorite. Yes. Got it done. Running and, off the and front. And he also didn't just rely on his teammate this time. No. He did some of the work. In fact, more work than Manangoy and ultimately got the win as a result. So 
hats off to those two training partners for the one two. All right, going to our final race of the uh, of the day. We're going to the the women's five thousand meters, which is super interesting because we've got. I think we've got to have a really good race here, Chris. It's going to be fast as well, for sure. You do have a lot of interesting names in this that we could have long, you know, much longer debates about in terms yes. of whether or not they're legitimate clean athletes or not, but we're going to set all that aside for today at least. And we have basically three women going at it here. Sifan Hassan, the 1,500-meter specialist and runner who trains with Alberto Salazar and Nike Oregon Project. You've got Helen O'Beary, the Kenyan athlete who is consistently in the top three in, in women's 5Ks. And then, of course, Jinzebi Dababa, who has the world record, right, in the women's 5K, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And won Prefontaine earlier this year, but then kind of disappeared for reasons we can speculate about, but won't this time. So you've got, and, and so as a result, Jinzebi, who's typically a favorite, doesn't necessarily have the best season best in the mix even though she has the world record so that's going to be interesting to see how it plays you've got some other kenyan and ethiopian athletes in gide and teferi who have solid season bests but when it comes down to it is it not just a race between those big three hassan dababa and obiri i think so and i think your your big question here is um, is Alberto's magic going to suddenly work here for um, Sifan Hassan? Um, we don't have any idea what the heck is going on at all with um, Dababa. We've got no results from her recently. Um, this lends in credence to Chris and I's uh, deep frustration with this training camp and this group of people who train together. And uh, it is a wise, you know, we talked about this on our run, Chris. We had a run up in Dallas where we ran together where we both understood that for the long cycle that they're getting ready to go into, going into a world championship, going into an Olympic cycle, with this probably being Dababa's, um, she, how, how long does she stretch her career out? Um, taking a break like this makes sense from a standpoint of um, getting your legs back under you, getting some good, strong base training in and other things. But we're talking about... It's suspicious. It is suspicious. But there is reason why these things would happen and why coaches might make these decisions. Um, here's the thing. I would love to see Sifan Hassan win this race, not because I'm a super fan of hers, but much more because Obiri has been the queen at the five lately. The way that she won um, the last few races that she's run, she's basically beaten Hassan head-to-head -head multiple times now, three straight times in three straight races this season, beyond being the world champion, Olympic champion. She's also just, she just, you know, Obiri is just, I, in my opinion, on race day, she's a consummate racer. She knows how to get the job done. And I think that no matter how this race plays out, it doesn't really matter because all that's going to happen is come down to the last 15. So Obiri needs, Obiri got her butt kicked in a 3K recently this year. So if Obiri lets this race sit slow for too long, that's a real problem for her because she does not want to go up against Sifan Hassan in that last thousand meters 800 meters stride for stride because Hassan, without having taken some of those legs out and we know what Dababa can do too so Obiri's 
best recourse here is to be strong and keep the pace pushing and keep working. We'll see what the Pacers are able to do if there's Pacers in this race. There's that, three. So that, that, that means that they're going to be doing a good substantive amount of work, which is good for Obiri. The more, the faster this race goes, the better for her. Um, it makes it hard to call this one. I'm going to let you call it first since I've been uh-huh. calling it first every single time, Chris. Well, it is interesting. I was, it's popped over the Diamond League start list and it does show they've got three pacers. They're only go, they're only going to stay in the race until 2K. So only 40% of the race will be led by pacers, but they are going out in world record pace. Basically, they've been instructed to run 1410 paces, equivalent paces which is insanely fast. Now, the interesting dynamic there is if you look at the PRs for all of the pacers that they have up front, they're only in the mid-15s, or I guess mid to low-15s. And so I think it's entirely possible that one of your main athletes in the race actually runs or chooses to push the pace if those pacers might be faltering. And so I think there's some questions about are the pacers going to be able to hold that pace and how good a job are they going to do? Because there's no doubt in my mind that there's all the incentives in the world for these women, especially Obiri, to go out fast. And if the pacers aren't doing their job, does that force her to do it? And for how long? And does that affect her ability to win this thing? I don't know. But as I look at it, because of Helen Obiri's pedigree, somebody who just wins <laughs> and is fast on top of that. I've got to pick her for the win. I like Dababa for second and Hassan for third. I think, unfortunately, Hassan's strength would play more into a race that was a little slower. Not dramatically, but a little slower where she could use that 1,500-meter kick at the end. And I'm also assuming that Dababa is nice and EPO'd up for this <laughs> to win the 50K. And so I'm assuming she comes in on form and we know when, when we know when she's on form, then she can close with Hassan if needed too. So I'm going Obiri Dababa Hassan. Cool. We'll have a differentiator here again, because here's my thing. If this was a 1500 meter, I'd like Dababa. But the problem is Dababa has a big, has a, had a problem recently in championship level 5,000 meter races underperformed consistently to the point where the last time we watched her, I can't remember which one it was. Was it World Champs, Chris? Where she just basically was not a complete non-factor and went out the back immediately. And it was like, we, we couldn't even believe it. And I think I, th- there's a reason why Sifan Hassan has chosen this 5,000 meters. Um, she's choosing it over the 15. Is that because she's dodging Hulihan and Mir? Maybe. Um, could be. Although she is theoretically driving... To Brussels. She is driving to Brussels, but she's doing a seven-hour drive the day to run the the next next day, day. which is basically 24 hours later, which they'll have her all ready and all set. But it's a if the 15 were first and the five were second, it would be a different double. But the five is first, so I think they're coming in here with a chance with with a goal to win it. I just don't think anybody can beat Obiri. I think Obiri has proven this. She also just getting beat at Birmingham in the 3K, where she probably let the race sit around, or it's just not strong enough. It's not. It's not strong. She has learned that lesson recently about getting beat in a race where the pace is not hot and stays fast. She's not going to be able to kick the same way the others do if she doesn't have them off. And you've got two of the best kickers in the game, Chris, in this race. Um, And so I picked Obiri for the win, and I think the race's pace is going to go pretty quick. At least by 2K or 3K, she'll take over and begin to string the race out and try to get 
death in the legs of those other two. And I pick Hassan for getting second. I think that she and her coaches have got this dialed up. They're, they're prepared for this race. They're obviously choosing it as a crucial and key test to see where she's at and probably going into the world champs and Olympics over the next cycle of, is she really going to be a 5K runner? Is she going to be a 15? Where is she going to be? And we know Alberto loves his moving his athletes up. So we'll see what happens. So I'm picking Obiri for the win. I'm picking Hassan for second. And I'm picking Dababa for third. Um, I'm almost hesitant to pick a third, different third person because Dababa might not be there at all. But as you said, she's running this race for a reason. So we should be prepared she for her to be up, ready. She showed up for the payday. She'll be nice and clean by this point. She's had all <laughs> summer to get the EPO out of her system. And so she wouldn't show up if, if she wasn't ready to, to go for it. We have to mention a couple of Ethi- other Ethiopian athletes, Gide and Teferi, who also have solid season bests, who could play spoiler potentially for one of those three on the podium, depending on the form that they bring to this event. So we will see if we happen to see five women battling it out for the win at the end of this one. We will see. But uh, let's watch the race. So here they are, Steve, lining up. Dababa in the middle. Looking fit. Looking fit and ready to roll. Sister to Tiranesh Dababa, who we've talked about as potentially the greatest female distance runner of all time. The babyface killer. He's the world record holder in the 1500 as well as the five. Sifan Hassan wearing the afro, but they've got the three big players all right together on the start line. Obiri, Hassan, Dababa, all right there. All Nike athletes in different Nike kits. Look at Hassan's hairdo. She's working the big, big hair. And you say we have three pacers here, correct, Chris? Three pacers. But one, none of them are quite up to snuff as we think, right? Right. One that's going through a K and then two that are supposed to take them through 2K. And I would assume after that, depending on how things play out, they wouldn't mind them staying in the race as long as they can hold the pace. But it wasn't an impressive resume <laughs> from those pacers as I was looking at it. Shalane would be a better pacer for, yes. for this field than what they have up front. All right, well, we've got, uh, they've got three pacers up front. It looks like we've got Dababo, Obiri, and um, right off the lead of those two pacers. And then we've got um, Sifan Hassan way back in DFL, sitting back there in the catbird seat, sitting back there waiting, it looks like. I mean, she is in dead last, isn't she? These are Mo Farah tactics. Yes. He famously would go straight to the back of every yep. 5K that he ran. Which in championship races makes sense. In a paced race, doesn't really make sense. Yeah, unless they have this idea that this paced race will adjust. Oh, we should look at, she just immediately went up and around a pack of slower women's women, and one of which is Alicia McColgan, who's Liz McColgan's daughter, runs for the Duke Green, Great Britain former steeplechaser, who's now running very fast in the 5K. But yeah, she's moved up into behind that, uh, still in contact and leaving the group of three who probably don't belong in that race behind see we're becoming up on the 800 meter split here chris where we can get a an idea of what paces we're running you know t-rop we talked about she ran in the 10,000 at the world olympic games and was remember we had so 69 second uh 400 which is moving that's 440 pace for 540 pace per mile 
um, which is fourteen thirty-five pace for a five k. So yeah, which is a, right on. It's about where they probably want to be. It's about right. It's a little on the slow side for if they're trying to run um, under fourteen twenty, but they're they're moving. As you would expect in a pace race. Right. Doing what they're supposed to be doing. And then, of course, they cut to the pole vault. <laughs> Where, by the way, we have an American taking the lead, at least last we saw it. Yep. Sandy Morris, American, was in the lead of the Diamond League final in the pole vault. We haven't seen a recent set of standings to see who's, who's there now, but we could have an American winner. In the women's poll. Like Sandy Morris is still in the lead. She's a must be over the height that they're currently at. Or perhaps they're they're going to this height for the first time. Second place pole vaulter just cleared it. Wow, she's having fun. She's excited. Sandy Morris giving it's her like, some kudos. It's amazing. Uh, it's Sandy Morris's chance to hold her lead. That's where the tactics and misses play into pole vaulting. So where, crucial. Ooh, ooh, she tapped that one and she, still stayed on. So now, get off that. Now get Sandy that. has to basically clear this on her first attempt in order to stay in the lead. So this is a big jump for her. Sandy Morris wearing her trademark pink. Headband. Got her little pink hair. Yeah, with pink streaks in her hair. All, all right. right, back to the 5K. We've got a pack of all the African runners essentially together with a pacer up front who is. 69.1, so they're just below that. Four, they're running right at that 430, 14.30 mark, Chris. This Pacer's doing a really good job. It's consistent, for yep. sure. And you have, of the major players, Dababa's running in fourth at the moment with Obiri in sixth. Just a couple runners back, and you still have Hassan holding on to basically the back. Yep. Second to last in this lead pack as the, the Pacer falls off our first pacer is going off right at the 1600 meter mark it yeah, looks so like she and held it longer than she so they went by 437 or so through the, through the 1600 meters and now you've got two pacers up front and then it looks like Dababa is Dababa and obiri are next yep there looks like they're letting that lead pack go it's a questionable we'll see here chris in that big question we had in our preview about whether Obiri does work, it looks like, look at that. She goes up, up and around, makes a connection, gets right up behind the pacers so that she makes sure that this race stays fast and that she keeps Dababa and Hassan on their heels and makes sure they're doing hard work. So that's 70.7, a little bit of a slowdown, but that's pretty normal to have that when you have a transition between pacers. So Obiri's doing what she has to do, which is keep it honest. Yep, there was a question there. Would she, Dababa looked like she was letting it slide a little bit. Was she going to let that pack go, let those pacers go? Obiri does exactly what we thought she would do, which is go to the front, make sure that she reconnects with them so they stay on that fastish pace. But again, Chris, this is not like they're running 15 20 pace. So they're running 15 30, 14 30, not 14 20 there, 
the run in 1430-1435, which is still kick both Hassan and Ababa can monster kick off of that. So I'm still expecting we'll see some kind of wind-up from Obiri over this yeah. last 2K, if, last if five laps. If you see another 70-second lap, then I would imagine Obiri's going to yes. have to go around. You can't let it dawdle. And I put that in air quotes. She's looking around to see what's going on. Dababa has slipped back a few positions. Still looking strong. Yeah, now. she looks really strong. Hard to tell exactly why she's done that. And we're coming up on the split here. 69-2. So okay, we are we're back right back on to the pace that they're looking for. And Obiri, you have to imagine, is going to let that go at least until the other pacers fall off. And then you why would imagine do make a big move at that point. Who's that in fourth place? Is that T-Rock? T-Rock. That, that, yeah, yep. yeah, she is. Whew, that that the one that she she's basically in second here. That she looks really good, Chris. Really, really good. Yeah, I mean, she doesn't have the same season best that the fairy does. Okay, now we'll, now she's at she's at fourteen fourteen twenty four. Okay, so yeah, so she's just not behind. That, yeah, just behind just the behind. two Ethiopians. But okay. Second pacer's off now. You've got one pacer out front with Obiri right on her shoulder. But one key thing, Chris, is T-Rop won that Birmingham 3K that I've referenced a few times. So that's a really good position for her. She's beaten Obiri in her last race. So this is a dark horse we should keep an eye on, this woman who's running in the third position at this point. You've got the pacer who's going to be coming off here pretty soon. You've got, then you've got Obiri. Then you've got T-Rop. Then you've got Dababa who went up and around. And Hassan now is sitting in that fifth place position if you, don't, if you discount that pacer who's starting yep. to get a little bit of a gap there. Yep. It's playing out so far, though, as we expected. With Obiri slotting in right behind the pacer. It's going to be interesting to see how long that pacer can hang and what happens when the pacer falls off. Does Obiri make a move there or does she continue to try to hammer out those 69 second laps. I would expect her to keep the steady pressure on and maybe get a half second faster every lap, um, maybe a second faster every 800 to try to see if she can't squeeze down on them. But we'll see. I mean, Dababa, when she needed to get into position, got up and around and right into position. As you guys who listened to our podcast a couple of weeks ago where we talked about the 5K in specifics, you're seeing in this race how important it is for athletes to stay in connection and stay in a position when I use that term up and around, you're seeing them making sure gaps don't occur so that they're right on the lead and right on the position they need to be when big moves get made. Because in this kind of racing with the top level speed that all these women have, you spot somebody a second, you may never be able to make that up. And so yep. you want to be in that position where you're able to take advantage of it. And Hassan has done a good job, even though she went to the back at the beginning, she's done a good job of basically making the little move she's needed to make to stay connected the entire time. So she's still very much in it, even though she's been running behind Obiri and Dababa. And they took us to long jump. So now we're back to the 5K. It's down to... Obiri up front. Obiri, Looks like T-Rop is in second. The pacer's off, and Obiri is pressing. Yes, and T-Rop is in second. You've got Dababa and both Dababa and Hassan looking a little bit ragged, although they're still very much connected, Chris. They're just not um, right on the shoulders of Obiri. I'm telling you, this could be a bit of an upset with T-Rop, the way that she looks. I'm not making that call quite yet, but man, she looks really good. Teferi looks really good in there as well. They're, all of our players are in play with a couple of unexpecteds who 
Um, oh, looks like Obiri's slowing down, Chris. Looks like we'll a little see. bit of a slowdown. We'll be get we'll a split here. Split. I mean, Obiri to me never looks fantastic. No. so I, it's hard for me to seventy-three read. five. Ooh, so we see a yes, a big slowdown. So that bodes well for Dababa and Hassan, who We've are both at the back of the lead pack, ready to pounce. With a mile to go. We've got four laps to go. So this is where we would expect to start seeing Obiri put the pedal to the metal and start really grinding down. Um, and, and maybe she's doing a little bit of a cat and mouse where she's trying to change gears. This happens. You'll see seasoned quality. Oh, look at that. You, this is what I was about to say. You see seasoned quality 5K runners shifting gears to try to mess with the speed of these kickers and what she's trying to do look they've got Dababa on the ropes she might be off the back of this Chris it's hard to see she's Dababa is on the ropes struggling and this is exactly why Obiri would do this tactic of of the pace looks like it's slower but she's accelerating and then slowing down and then accelerating and slowing down trying to burn that kick all that creatine kick and all of that glycogen making them making Dababa do work and question where she's at Obiri was definitely shifting gears there you could you could see it absolutely Obiri shifted gears. Dababa popped. Still within potential striking so, distance, but... So it was a 71-1, but done in a hard way. Done yes. with... Probably done in a way that was more along the lines of a 32-second to 33-second 200 mixed with a 36 to, you know, second 200, where she's fluctuating either 200. It's hard to tell exactly. It looks to me like it's... 200 on, 200 off, because they've now bunched back up. We've got three and a half laps to go, Steve, and to me, Hassan looks to be in best position at this point, with Turup looking strong as well. I think Obiri... Obiri looks bad. ...is and falling apart here. And, Obi and they, Dubaba, let, they let Dababa get in. back to the pack. So, yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense why Obiri would have allowed this, but we know, Chris, she's a master tactician, so she, is. she knows what she's Maybe doing. she's got something planned here, but she doesn't look great. No, in her face and in her, her, her mechanics do not look that great. And the fact that you've let Turop and Kip Karui and Teferi stay in this race is probably not good for her. Now, this is, this is playing into the hands of Hassan and also Tirop as well. And Dababa still connected. Will she have magic there? We know what kind of wheels she has. Teferi looks really good out there on the outside, doesn't she, Chris? I tell you what, all of them look good. Good, except for Iberian Dababa, you know, yep. doesn't look perfect, but she's still there. We've got six women for three spots here. How is this going to play out? Yeah, they are slowed it way pretty. They've down. They've slowed it down pretty consistently, and this is not typical in women's races where we see this many women still in connection in a 5K. Obiri must be in some. Oh, she's moving up, getting right up on the shoulder, trying to make sure that any moves that come, she's able to. Blast out and to get in position. She looks a little bit better now, though, doesn't she, Chris Obiri? Obiri from the hips down is so beautiful mechanically. Yeah. But those arms are so erratic and move so much. They just shifted away with 800 meters to go at the crucial time when the real moving happens. There's the get us back to this. Yeah, why would they do that? Oh, because they've got they one feed and we don't need to see to go, this. Right? This is what happens with our track and okay, field. Okay, here right. we go. So... So it looks like we're coming into. It's hard to tell if we're going to be. One lap to go, one right? La I think we should be this one lap to go. Yep. This is the bell. So six women in it with the bell. Dababa's still there. Hassan looks Hassan's really good. I think this is Hassan's race to lose. I at do. This point. I agree. So 74 2 with 400 to go. Based on what I know now, I'm going Hassan. 
to Baba, but I don't we'll know. See. I think T Rop might have a little something here too. So be wary there, Obir. I think Dababa's on the ropes. She cannot go. Dababa's popped off the back again. There's too much shifting going on. There goes uh, Hassan from all the way out. From 300 to go. T it, oh wow, T-Rop, with her. T-Rop's off going the back. Obiri going, blowing, passes her, passes her hard. Wow. Look at that kick. Now it's between Obiri and, and oh, Hassan. Oh, here we go. What a race! The what a race. Are I don't want to see Dababa. Let us see the real race. Wow. Look at this. Wow. She and and Obiri. oh, Hassan is right there, Chris. Hassan, this is going Hassan's to be. Gonna get her. Hassan is going to get her. Can Obiri hold her off? Has she been able to accelerate enough? Oh, my goodness. Oh, look at this. Head to head. Head to head. Stride for stride. Obiri's got it. Obiri's going to hold Obiri's her off. The strength is playing off. off. What an amazing move. Incredible. Well, I Holy mean, cow. we should have not doubted her. No, we should not have <laughs> doubted her. Amazing race. So you were accurate in your one-two, and uh, we both... We were both off with the Baba. It looked like it was Kipruto who ended up getting that third position. I thought T-Rop looked so good, but she was not able to make that move when that big blast that Obiri did and just blew doors that last bit. Teferi got third. Oh, was so it Teferi? Wow. So we had mentioned her as a potential spoiler, and she played that role. Yep. Tababa just didn't have the sharpness, you could tell. Nope, she did not have it. She got, they, Obiri was smart the way that she played that, and, you know, she's the cat and mouse, the rope-a-dope. Obiri played a rope-a-dope on this one where she sort of Got she up did. against, got up against the, uh, uh, she was on the ropes. She, she pretended like she was getting beat up. Look at this acceleration here, Chris. This, this is, this is a unbelievable, unbelievable move. And to hold Hassan off the 1500 meter special. Look at that acceleration. Hassan, the way that she did, Hassan had to make that move. And that was probably it. She couldn't let it just sort of creep up. She had to blast it. And then Obiri's strength playing out over that last hundred meters. Unbelievable. Helen Obiri has got to be, I mean, the, the best 5,000-meter runner when, when Ayana when is not on the, on, not on the, on the well, route, right? Yeah, and <laughs> certainly with the 5,000, she probably still has the edge over No, Ayana. she beat her. Yeah, yeah. she beat her at, the, at, at critical races, but One thing what this, a race from this, Abiri. This does make me think about Steve is Houlihan in this race. Oh, I'm telling you, she right now. She might have won. She might have won. I don't know. That was some serious acceleration <laughs> but, from both those two yeah, women. Yeah, but we but, know Houlihan has those wheels. It would have been interesting. She certainly would have been in the mix with that 1438, I believe yes. it was. Yes, yep. Final time. 1438, so, yep. Obiri won, Hassan two, as you called it. And then Teferi third, who I mentioned as a potential dark horse to spoil the podium. I don't know that I saw where Dababa finished, but I guess she was sixth. Yeah, it was pretty far back. And when that, we saw it, when that move happened there, from 300 out, it was, it was she all she wrote. It. it was all over. She could not go. She couldn't use her speed. Her strength must not be there. That was a fun race, Chris. That, that was. was a really fun race. Yeah, there was a lot of question marks. Obiri played the rope-a-dope, essentially, through those, through those middle laps and then came back at the end for the big closing kick. It's like Hassan still just has a few tactical things she still needs to learn and needs to figure out, you know? For sure. So now the question becomes, what can she do in the 15 tomorrow? I know. That Will was, she uh, get second there, too, behind Houlihan? I don't know. I, I think she very well could. Um, you know, she's going to be hungry because she didn't get this. She did get a blast out. That last 300 meters there certainly is going to be something that their medical staff is going to have to deal with getting her ready to go. You know, she'll be in that vehicle probably getting <laughs> ice bath, massage, all the other things, a nap. 
They probably rented an RV with I'm an sure ice they bath did. inside of I'm it. Sure I'm sure they sure did. Yep. Alberto has the whole carpet yep. rolled out for her. Wow. That was a lot of fun to watch. Not as ex- I, it was more exciting than I expected, certainly. And you had a lot more women in it than we expected. And again, Obiri, she's just the queen of the 5K. There's no doubt about it. Unbelievable. Master class result there from Obiri. So that concludes day one action of Diamond League Finals. We'll come back with day two tomorrow, Steve, and give all of our predictions and calls as we go. So this has been episode 90, part A. We appreciate you listening and putting up with our fanboy nature. And we'll have part B coming at you next. So stay tuned. And of course, as always, thank you for listening. You can check us out at roguerunning.com or follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Rogue Running. Until the next one, we'll talk to you soon.